Stillmeyer Games coming to you as usual at 10 o'clock Central Time in St. Louis. Um, I hope you are doing well. I hope you're having a great holiday week. Uh, if, if this is a, a week that you have some time off from work or some time to spend with family or traveling, I just hope you're doing well and that hopefully you're getting a fun game or two to table. I've definitely played a lot of games over the last few days. Um, my mom was in town. She visited for, I guess, a total of four days from Virginia. And I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that story in a second. But she was in town and Megan's parents were in town with Megan's brother and sister-in-law. So there were seven of us doing a lot of different things like eating good food and going disc golfing. And um, we went to the Botanical Gardens here in St. Louis and saw their, their glow. It's very cold, but also very beautiful to see all the lights they had up set up at the Botanical Gardens. So we had a really nice holiday weekend uh, for the most part. I'll give you a little twist to that story a little bit. Um, but for now, I'd like to know from you what, if you did get to play a game over the last few days, what game um, really stood out for you, what game you really enjoyed. Or if you got a game for, for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holidays you celebrate, um, if you got a present or gave a present you were really excited about, feel free to share that in the comments as well. I know, uh, uh, just in case I forget to say, my chocolate of the day is uh, that uh, Vicky, Megan's mom, brought fudge from Kansas City, a place called Laura Little's or Laura Little. And she brought some delicious walnut and peanut butter chocolate fudge for me. And I'm really, really enjoying that. So that's my chocolate of the day today. Good morning, Molly, Eric, Carol, Ian, uh, Kevin, Carlos, and Rick have joined us so far. Carlos has a question ready to go. He says, it was interesting to read in your post. Uh, so I wrote a post recently called, what did you create in 2022 that was meaningful to you? Carlos says, about your game that you had to start over almost from scratch 10 times. Not sure if you ever mentioned that, what was the eureka moment where things started finally going smoothly? So Carlos, I, I kind of mentioned in that post a little bit that there actually wasn't a eureka moment. It was more like every time I redesigned this game from scratch, um, I learned something about the previous version and I learned something about the new version, what it needed to be. And so it was kind of a, it, it wasn't one of those magical moments. It was a ongoing series of testing and uh, learning and paying attention to what was fun, what was frustrating, what worked, what didn't work, what was unique, what was kind of uh, tired and tread things that we've already seen in games. So it was like, it was the game design process, except normally I don't have to start over from, from scratch every time. Normally I'm building upon something previous and I kind of was, but, uh, but there, was, there was a lot of things that started over from the beginning every time I worked on that design. That's a game that will come out in 2023. And the post that Carlos is referring to is one of my favorite posts that I've, I've only made two of them so far. I made one around this time last year, encouraging people, challenging people to create something meaningful to them in 2022. And this post was looking back at 2022 and asking people to chime in and share the thing that they had created that was meaningful to them in 2022. And I heard from people in such a broad range of categories, both on Facebook and on the post itself. Feel free to chime in on either of those forums if you have something that you created, something that was really meaningful to you in 2022. But the range was from, from games to, uh, to, to books, to, to uh, uh, YouTube channels, to children, to, um, to uh, creating a safe home for a pet or creating a workspace. Like there was, so, there was such a broad range of what people defined as meaningful to them. And I love that. I love that they, I love, the whole point of this post is about you choosing something that is meaningful to you and not putting that value on someone else. That is not to say um, that this thing that you create is only meaningful if someone else likes it or if a publisher accepts it. Like that doesn't matter for the act of creation. Yeah, the, what, to me, the act of creation is about actively creating something, to actually, actually spending time and building something that means something to you. And so it was really neat to see 
how um, the many different examples of things that people shared from 2022 and what they're hoping to create or continue creating in 2023. One of my, yeah, what, one of the, the, the most fun comment threads for me to read, I think, of any post. Uh, Kevin said that he played Encyclopedia, Arc Nova, um, Scythe, and Hoclamachus Hop, Victorum. Uh, Miles says that he also loves the Botanical Gardens Glow. He says, I could watch those lantern music display, that lantern music display forever. Yeah, it was, it's, it's trippy and cool. Like there's hundreds at least of, of lanterns along the ground on a certain part of the garden and they have them timed to some music. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible what they put together there. And that's just one of like the many, many different lighting displays they put up at the gardens. I think the only downside is that it was very cold. And I'll talk more about that cold in a second. Let me look down at uh, the comments here. Let's see. Rick says, I was curious about your thoughts on the Barnes & Noble 50% off all board game sale. I've seen comments that love it. And I've seen comments that, that think it hurts the industry, hurting the publishers in particular. Um, I saw the beginning of this thread. I didn't read through all the comments. But um, so the very basic idea of supply, the supply chain in the board game world is that a publisher sells games to a distributor and a distributor sells those games to retailers like Barnes & Noble. So once the publisher has made the sale, and there are exceptions to this, sometimes publishers sell directly to retailers. Many times publishers these days do sell directly to consumers as well, but that's the standard supply chain. And the point of why I'm mentioning that is that uh, once a publisher makes a sale to a distributor, uh, that that the publisher has received the money at that point. They receive the money. Sometimes there's a little bit of delay, but that's when they receive the money. The distributor then sells the game to a retailer and the retailer has it and the retailer then needs to make a decision then or in the future as to how they want to price that game. That's entirely up to the retailer. Um, and so the retailer can price it in such a way that they, if they can sell the game at, at uh, full MSRP, they will because then they make more money. If they need to sell, if they feel like they need to sell it for less, maybe they bought too many um, or maybe the product just isn't selling well, then uh, they often mark it down so they can get it out the door. Um, so I would not say that this typically directly hurts publishers. Every now and then a publisher works out a deal with a retailer or distributor to sell a game at a discount. Um, and then, you know, the publisher is making less money than they would normally make. And publishers sometimes do this because they overprint. They have too many games in stock. They need to get that inventory out the door and make something off of it. But I wouldn't say in most cases that a retailer sale directly hurts a publisher in that way. Now, there are greater impacts on other retailers like if one retailer is marking things down to 50 percent then that might hurt other retailers and um those retailers might question that uh, say barnes and noble's tactics and they might question a publisher's willingness to sell to a retailer like barnes and noble that is deep discounting games i think in this case maybe barnes and noble is either getting rid of their 2022 inventory or they're not selling games at all anymore it's one of the two i'm not sure um one second here. I want to make sure that a door didn't just blow open. One second. Okay. Sorry. Heard a big gust of wind there. Uh, so, yeah, th those are my initial thoughts about it. I I, I can see how um, some publishers, some distributors, some retailers might be frustrated by it. And in general, it is a little frustrating. Like, on a human level, it's frustrating as a publisher when we see retailers deep discounting our games. But at the same time, because that transaction has already taken place, we've already sold it to the distributor, the distributor's already, already sold it to the retailer. Um, it, we understand, like they are a business, they need to have cash flow. And so if they aren't selling, if these games aren't selling, then they need to find a way to sell them. Um, so it, it, I think the, 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 the small flip side of that is 
say yesterday we sold and I don't know if this happened. It's possible that one of our distributors sold to Barnes & Noble. Say they sold a hot game to Barnes & Noble yesterday. And Barnes & Noble immediately marked it down to 50%. That would be a huge red flag. But if Barnes & Noble has had that inventory for a while and they just need to sell it, I get it. Like that's, that's the case for any store that sells anything. If they have the inventory for a long time and it's not selling and they bought too much, they need to sell it at a certain point. That's my opinion. I understand there are lots of other opinions. And Rick, if there's something that stood out to you in those comments that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below. Anyone else who wants to share about that, let me know in the comments below as well. That's my insight as a publisher. Yeah. Carol says that she got coffee roaster for Christmas and enjoyed it. She said, I got my mother-in-law the nesting box and we, and we loved playing duet mode after Christmas. Then my son got and has been obsessed with telestrations. We actually played telestrations and wingspan um, over, over Christmas as well, over the last weekend. We played, we spread out the wingspan game. We kind of just had it on the table for three days and played every now and then when we had time, we'd play through a round and uh, we played telestrations on um, what, Monday night, Tuesday night, Monday night. Had a good time. We also played a game called Fun Facts. It's a game that you all recommended, I think, last week. Some of you recommended this game called Fun Facts, and it was great. It was a great game to help my mom get to know everyone else at the table better and get uh, Megan's parents to know my mom and everybody else. <clears throat> and we all just learned a lot about each other. The idea in Fun Facts is that you are, um, <clears throat> everyone is asked the same question, and then the question has a number to it. Like, uh, on a scale from zero to 100, how afraid of the dark are you? And you would write down a number, and uh, on the other side of this, t this tile, you write down your name, and you put that in the middle of the table, and the cooperative aspect of the game is trying to order those from least to greatest. And then you reveal, and you kind of learn from everyone, oh, I didn't know you were that afraid of the dark. I didn't know that you weren't at all afraid of the dark, that type of thing. So it was a, it was a really, really cool game called Fun Facts. Justin says, despite your, your success as a board game designer, do you ever suffer from imposter syndrome? How do you combat these feelings? All the time, Justin. All the time. Um, a big part of it that I've learned is, uh, I mean, there are many reasons that I, that I felt this way and continue to feel this way. Um, but a big part of it is I see so many other amazing designs out there. And whenever I look at them that way and I'm like, what am I doing here? What, how, how can I possibly contribute when there are so many other way more talented designers, way more capable publishers is uh, instead of comparing myself to them, I try to learn from them. Um, I, try to, I try to be inspired by them. I have a blog post from a long time ago, uh, I think titled something like the most dangerous thing that you can do. I, I don't know if it was as a, probably as a creator, the most dangerous thing you can do as a creator. And I think that thing is to compare yourself to someone else. And compare yourself to someone else's success because it can breed resentment um it can it can breed an imposter syndrome in yourself and so whenever i catch myself doing that the number one thing that i can do instead is try to be inspired by and by inspired by and learn from that person and that or, or that publisher that artist whoever they are that creator um instead of being jealous of them you know or instead of feeling less than or inadequate due to something awesome that they created. And that has really helped me. There are many other aspects to it, but that, that is probably the biggest thing that has helped me um, move past it and continue to enjoy creating. Yeah, great question. Molly says that uh, they got Journeys in Middle-Earth and Dice Throne, which have been great so far. That's awesome. I've only played one scenario of Journeys in Middle-Earth, but I thought it was cool. And Dice Throne, I love. I really love Dice Throne. So I hope you're having fun with that. Carol says, is there one more game you want to get in for 2022? <clears throat> there are two games, actually. Um, my friend Henry is coming over tomorrow to teach and play two games with me. What is the first one? Oh, the first one is Bullet. Um, 
it is a solo game, I believe, or solo or cooperative game. Uh, we're going to play it cooperatively if we can. And then the other one is Creature Comforts. So we're going to play those two games tomorrow. I'm really hoping to get those two in. I think those will probably be the last games I play in the last 2022 releases that I will play in 2022. So I'll probably film or start putting together my top 10 list of 2022 after that. Uh, the Excel Gamer says that this Christmas was very strange for me, but still fun. What, what made it strange for you this year? George is just popping in to say hi for a minute. Nathan says that his girlfriend and I both got each other the same Wingspan expansion for Christmas. Luckily, his cousin is a big is being into Wingspan, so there'll be some regifting going on there. That's sweet that you two um, got each other the same thing there. Matthew said that he played lots of Wingspan and tried Planted and wants to play Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. That's a game that I think will appear on my list this weekend. Um, my, my, the video that will go live this weekend is my favorite games from 2022 that were released or widely available before 2022 by games that I played for the first time this year. The Excel Gamer says, I'm hoping to create more memories in gaming next year. Need to get back into games more. Seasonal depression hit me really hard this year. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, you aren't alone in that. And, uh, and, and we're here for, for you if you want to talk through that. I, I'm, I'm definitely here for you uh, if you want to talk through that. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Matt says, how often do you win when playing board games? <clears throat> he says, I myself, I myself consistently lose. The irony here is that in my house, I'm the board game guy who purchases games and consumes board game content. However, I often get caught up in the effective experience of playing games while my wife wipes the floor with me with some effective strategy. That is very similar to my experience with Megan. I... I consume a lot of board game content. I learn games. I love games. I think the thing for me is I love poke, uh, not, not, I don't love trying to break games, but I love picking something that has intrinsic value to me in a game. And that intrigues me more than doing something that gives me a victory. It does feel good when I win, but like the other day I was playing Wingspan and it didn't necessarily make sense for my strategy to play. I think it was a painted bunting. It was a cute little white bird. And I really just wanted to play that bird because I thought it was adorable. And it had a good power too, but it was just adorable. And so I played that bird. I ended up winning, which felt good, but it felt better to be able to go through the steps to play that bird. I'm curious if anyone else can relate to that. Are there any games that have those intrinsic motivations um, that may be tied to victory sometimes, but also they're tied to something else, like the art, the, the clever wordplay on it. Something else in the, in the game is giving you value in that motivation that you pursue and that feels good to you. Let me know uh, if there's anything like that for you. Paul Grogan is stopping by here to say, uh, another content creator says, can't stay, I'm just prepping for my final live Q&A of the year. Season's greetings to you. Paul, feel free to post a link in the comments below if you want people to, to join you for that live Q&A after I'm done here. Um, thanks for popping in. Bernardo says, happy holidays. Thanks to Stomar Games to bring me back to board games. I'm honored to hear that we helped bring you back to board games. I got Wingspan Asia as a Christmas gift and I love it, but I'm left in, with a doubt. In the solo mode, uh-oh, I'm not going to be good for a solo mode here, but someone else can help you. Can I mix the Automa cards from the base game and or the expansions or the ones in Asia to replace those? I am not the solo guy, Bernardo, but if anyone's watching this and can chime in to help Bernardo, his question is, in the solo mode for Wingspan Asia, can I mix the Automa cards from the base game and or the expansions or the ones in Asia or do the ones in Asia replace those cards? Let Bernardo know in the comments below. Jerry says, uh, I was reading through the rule book for Terracotta Army and was surprised to see a big thank you credit to you for your influential feedback on the early prototype. Have you played the final version and was it a big difference from what you played? Did you enjoy it? I didn't know that they put me in there. That was that, uh, that's so nice of them to do that. Um, the, 
this is a game that was submitted to us and we came very close to considering it. I, I played I played it live with the designer and I think maybe the publisher and uh, and the submissions guy here at Somewhere Games, Alan. And I enjoyed it. It just uh, it just it was really close, but it wasn't quite a good uh, the right fit for Stillmire Games. And I don't remember the feedback that I gave him, but I, it sounds like it was it was helpful. And I had not played the final version, so I, I need to play it and, and see if uh, how I feel about the the final version. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that, Jerry. I, I had no idea. Ian says that he's been playing a lot of games over my Christmas break as he's a teacher. He says he cleared his 300 total plays, physical and app-based games that have a physical board game available for the year. Last weekend, so Ian last week talked about his Tickets to Ride challenge with his wife, where they play through every module every year around this time of year. He says, last weekend, my wife and I continued our Ticket to Ride challenge and also learned Azul Summer Pavilion, among others. So where do you two stand right now, Ian, on the uh, the Ticket to Ride challenge? Who is that? Are you break-even right now? I think he said there were... 18 total games that you're going to play in total, but correct me if that number is wrong. Um, uh, Nathan, wish, I, I, I love all the holiday wishes. I'm not reading them all out loud, but I am reading them to myself. So thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Michael, for wishing us well. Uh, Michael and Ju uh, Judy. Eric says, how do you go about culling and leaning out your collection if ever needed? It is needed on a fairly consistent basis. My, so I have like one big shelf over here that you can't quite see. One big shelf. I have a smaller shelf of my shelf of opportunity. I have a smaller shelf of like quick and easy games. And then I have a Stillmire shelf. And this shelf over here is the one that I cull on the most frequent basis. This is kind of full size games here. I can, I can point my camera over here. I don't think I have any secrets or surprises over there. Um, so here's kind of a, a view of that shelf. Um, and uh, so that shelf. If I start stacking stuff on top of it, that's a sign to me that I need to call a little bit. And so I look at games that I haven't played in the last year and I check with Megan first. Megan's a little bit more of a collector than I am. And so I try to make sure that it isn't the game that she really wants to play. And if it's a game that I haven't played in the last year and I don't see myself playing in the future, I will give it away. I'll find someone to give it to, someone who is eager to play it. Um, yeah, and that's, that's just how I do it. I, I just I give away games that I'm not actively playing. Miles says, have you done a list of games that are great for stopping and starting like you played Wingspan? Ooh. So, Miles, I did a list last year, I believe, that was, I think it was like games to play around the holidays. I think that was it. Um, where I talk about stopping and starting. Games that are very easy to stop and start at any time. But not in the way that we stopped and started Wingspan. Um, more in that, like, you can play the game, like, uh, just one. Like, you can play the game just one as long as you want. And when you're done, you just put away just one and stop playing. Opposed to games that you can leave on the table and return to over and over again. That might be a hard category to think about, Miles, but I like the idea. Let me let me jot it down real quick. So games that you can stop and start, um, probably round-based games. I think that, that helps a little bit. If anyone has any ideas for that, let me know in the comments here and I'll start brainstorming that list. I think that's a fun question. I know a lot of people do that with campaign games. They'll leave the game on the table or underneath their, their gaming table, things like that, which I've done in the past as well. Simon says, what would make a great Christmas themed game? There are some Christmas themed games. There's, uh, there's Ghosts of Christmas. There is, uh, I think it's called Santa's Workshop from Elf Creek Games. Miles would know the name of that one if Miles still here. Um, there is, uh, there's Bah Humbug by Emily, Emily Willicks. Um, yeah, there, there are a few great Christmas-themed games out there right now. 
Ian says, the current standings for my Ticket to Ride Challenge are not looking good for him. My wife is up eight games to four and up by 75 points. Oh, that's cool that you keep the points there too. Mainly thanks to me keeping two 18-point routes in Nordic that I felt I could I could overlap and not get, and he didn't complete either of them because I was focused on the short routes. We have seven boards to go in the challenge. Ooh, you have some catching up to do there, Ian. So you need to win, what, uh, six out of those? So if your wife takes five, you take, no, that's not enough. You need to win, you need to win most of them. Yeah. Yeah, good luck, Ian. <laughs> Nathan says, my wife got him a plane ticket to go game with his siblings. My goal, my goal is to take a prototype of my game with me and play it with a good-sized group for the first time. That's awesome, Nathan. That is a very, a gift that I think speaks to how well your wife knows you, I'm guessing. So that's really, really neat. Uh, it sounds like a few people resonate with that idea of uh, tackling imposter syndrome. Thank you for uh, for saying that. And if you have any other tips about how to how, to, how you combat that, I, I'd love to know because it's something that I I think about all the time. It it, it uh, I, I would say that lately the the triggering thing for me a little bit has been you know I'm working on this big open world game and I've been working on it for a long time. But in the meantime, some other great open world games have come out and are also coming out in the near future. Um, and so. I guess part of it is that I worry that by the time I release my game, that that people will are already have an open game, open world game on the table, or already have open world games that they prefer. There is a huge hook in my game that is not in any of these other games, but um, I don't know. I think about that sometimes, and and uh, but then I realize that I'm still just having fun designing it, and I keep on going. Mila Rod says, one thing really interests me, and I'm sorry if you already answered this. No, no need to apologize. I'm happy to answer anything. Could you tell us how you know when a game is ready for publishing? I mean, is there some set of standards you follow to know that testing is done, or is it more of a gut feeling? It's a combination of the two. Part of it is a gut feeling for me about the game's um, level of fun and how well it flows and how intuitive it is. Um, and the part of it is also based on playtester data about the balance of the game, um, that people are mentioning a lot more fun things versus frustrating things. And whenever we have blind playtesters, uh, blind playtest our games, I had them rated on a scale from one to 10. And so once we see those ratings consistently up in the eights and nines, uh, even when the game has very little art, that is a strong sign that, uh, that the prototype is working well. And I, if I combine that with a gut feeling, then we move forward with it. There isn't a scientific model for it. It's just a combination of those two. The, the data that you have and your own gut feeling, I think. Mark says Woodcraft released a roll and write version of their game for free up on BoardGameGeek. I saw that on the hotness. I didn't realize it was free. What are your thoughts on designers making a uh, verb and write version of their games? I don't know if verb was a, what is ver uh, verb and write? Interesting. Um, verb and, I, I don't know what verb and write is, Mark, but uh, I, I guess if you're saying like a free roll and write game, I, th I think it's, I, I think it's a neat idea. I, I think um, sometimes, I don't know about the marketability of it is, I guess, what I'm, what I'm stumbling through a little bit. And I think, for example, uh, Rogers of the Ganges. Rogers of the Ganges is a wonderful tabletop game. I have it on my shelf right over here. Uh, and I actually think the roll and write version of Rogers of the Ganges is even better. But because I already have the original game, I'm a little hesitant to actually go buy the roll and write version and more likely just to play the digital version of it. So... I don't know what that is. I don't know exactly what that is there, but there's, it makes me wonder a little bit about the marketability of it. But if you're going to put it up there for free, whether it's a digital version or a print and play version for free, and you have fun with, you had fun with the design and you're bringing joy to people, I think that's a viable path too. It doesn't, not everything has to be marketable, you know? 
Excel Gamer is excited about uh, Creature com Comforts. They said it's very fun. Jed says, any future plans for Scythe? Scythe the nineteen twenty plus world for Scythe is is a really really cool world. I'd love to explore that someday. But Scythe itself, Scythe the tabletop game, is complete. We've completed the story for for Scythe. Yeah. Ian also says that he loves Creature Comforts. Dan says it was hard not being able to open up my Wingspan Asia until Christmas. Question for you, Jamie: What is your favorite new card from just the Asia expansion? Um, I don't know if I have one off the top of my head to give to you, but uh, but I, I love the Push Your Luck cards. I actually didn't get any of them yesterday when I was playing, or over the last few days when we were playing. But I, I love the the Push Your Luck cards in, in Wingspan Asia. I love Push Your Luck as a mechanism. There's so many comments today that I haven't even told you my big Christmas story. So let me tell you real quick. I'll tell you the very short version, which is um, my, my mom arrived last week. You know, we have all these people converging on St. Louis, a lot of parents, and um, our heat goes out. Uh, St. Louis was very, very cold over the last few days, down to negative eight uh, Fahrenheit in St. Louis. Very, very cold. And our, our furnace broke. And so for two days, or a little over, like 36 hours, we had no heat in our place at all. And we were kind of just sucking up residual heat from, um, from the units below us. We're on the third floor. And uh, so it was, I would wake up to like 55 degrees temperatures in, in the house, in the condo. Uh, fortunately, Megan's brother was very handy and he fixed the problem. So we had this huge ordeal. It was so cold, so terrible. We were about to host Christmas Eve dinner and Eric fixed it. And the furnace is working great. So it's awesome. And then one of our pipes burst. And, it, and there's a couple layers to this too. So it was very cold in St. Louis. One of our pipes burst and water spraying everywhere in one of our bathrooms. And uh, fortunately, within a few minutes, we cut off that water and we still had water in the house. We still had cold water, not no hot water, but we still had cold hot water. This is like an hour before Christmas dinner. Um, and so an hour goes by, so I've cut off that water. Everything is looking, you know, it's not great, but it's looking okay. And I get a call from my downstairs neighbor, the first floor neighbor, saying that water is pouring in through her ceiling. And we realized that even though we had cut off water to, for part of the problem, that something was still happening in the walls that was causing our water to gush down on, on her condo, onto her bed, too. It was, it was pretty terrible. And so we had to cut off water to our entire house. So no showers, no flushing toilets. They're not going to refill, no running water, no hot water, no cold water. Uh, on Christmas Eve, and so I spent, uh, and so I spent a lot of time that night. Like, it was the most stressed Christmas Eve I've I've ever had by far, and um, started kind of piecing together what life would look like over the next few days without any water at all. And we, you know, we had other resources. We have uh, you know, many friends in town. We have uh, Eric and Alex are in town. Those are Megan's brother and sister in law, and um, uh, we. I called a bunch of plumbers, but I think a lot of people in St. Louis had burst pipes over the last couple of days because it was so darn cold. And so, and this was despite, I'll say, so anyone thinking right now, Jamie, why didn't you leave the water running? Why didn't you have heat going on your pipes? And we did all those things. We're doing all those things, and yet still the pipe burst. Um, but fortunately, I was so lucky. I mean, we were so incredibly lucky that A, our downstairs neighbor was home, that we were here, that someone handy was here, and also that a plumber called me on Christmas Day and offered to come by to fix the problem on Christmas Day. And so a plumber came by, tore up the wall, found the leak. And so I was here for a good amount, of, like I got everyone else out of the house and I spent a, a few hours with the plumber um, working through this problem. And the plumber got 90% of our water functional again. So we have water in, in all places in our house except for one bathroom. 
and that bathroom is kind of just torn up right now while the plumber has capped that pipe and is uh, is waiting to get a replacement part so we can fully fix the problem. But I, it was incredible, incredible that this plumber was willing to come. Um, it was, it, I, I tipped him what a Christmas tip should be if a plumber comes to your house on Christmas. And, uh, and I, I, I think that this plumber was running around St. Louis helping as many people as they could. So I think the plumber was Flo King. Um, it was, uh, it was uh, Silvio and his father from Flo King, and they are incredible. I, I'm so grateful for them. And I look forward to them coming back to fully fix the problem. But for now, I know they have a lot of other houses in St. Louis that probably don't have any water at all. So I'm happy that they can help them. But that was my Christmas ordeal. Most stressful Christmas I've ever had. Um, and I know a lot of people in the world have it a lot worse too. Have maybe have no water at all still, no heat. I'm grateful that we have both of those things now. Um, but it was rough. It, it really made me appreciate both heat and and uh, and water. And, and uh, made me a little worried about water scarcity too. So I hope you had none of those problems on your Christmas uh, or your holiday, your, your weekend, whether or not you celebrate Christmas. Um, yeah, that was, that was my experience. So I asked the question about intrinsic motivations. The Excel Gamer says, in Sorcerer, Sorcerer City, your goal is to connect all tiles of the same color in order to gain resources. Sometimes I make fun shapes of pattern or patterns, even if it's not the most ideal configuration. And Miles says, for that dog park game, for dog park, I was happy to play dogs that I liked regardless of whether or not they helped me. I, I'm totally on, on that same page. I haven't played Sorcerer City, but I do love dog park, and I, I feel the same way about it. Carol says that she always tries to play the little penguin in Wingspan. And Nathan says, years ago, my brother-in-law won a game by getting tons of cheese. Now, anytime someone in our family does something seemingly not focused on victory, we call it a cheese gambit. I like that. Molly says, I can definitely relate to that with games too. Winning is a bonus, but I pursue my own path over it. Especially when a game is new or I'm playing with a new player, I can try a new strategy I suspect isn't optimal and go all in for it. I do that a lot with games, Molly, so I can definitely relate to that too. Kevin says, are there any games that are older, 10 plus years, that you still play today and would recommend? 10 plus years is a long time. I think uh, Ticket to Ride might be right along that edge. I think I, I still play Ticket to Ride and really enjoy it. Um, Can't Stop, I enjoy. Uh, Ink and Gold, I think, is older than 10 years. Certain car games are over the 10 years. Scotland Yard is older than 10 years. I think Telestrations might be older than 10 years. I love all those games. I'm looking at my... Shelf over here. I don't know if anything on this shelf is older than 10 years old. Yeah, nothing I see on this shelf is older than 10. Yeah, but those are those are a few that I definitely still actively play and, and love. Yeah. Carol points out that uh, the campaign games Tainted Grail and Sleeping Gods could easily be stopped and left. And really, yeah, I think you have to do it with those games. Uh, they go on for many, many hours. Carol also recommended Gingerbread House as a great holiday game. I agree. Chris says he likes my shirt. Thank you, Chris. This is one of my oldest sweaters. I got this in Oxford, England, like 15 years ago. And I tend to wear my clothes for a long time. I don't buy many new clothes. So it's held up quite well. I also got, I was so excited to get this. I shared this with Miles my, uh, the other day. Um, I really loved the series Welcome to Wrexham, which is about a few people from the U.S. and, and Canada. Ryan Reynolds is from Canada, who buy a small... Uh, soccer team, football team in England called Wrexham. And I've been wanting to get a, uh, a Wrexham coat. I almost wore it on today's video, but I, 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 I bought it and I got, it got here yesterday and I can't wait to just walk around in public with a Wrexham coat to see anyone else who, who, uh, who watches the show or, or roots for Wrexham now. But I am definitely a Wrexham fan now after watching that show. And I'd highly recommend the show. If you love football, if you love kind of uh, feel good sports stories, um, and it, it goes beyond sports too. It goes. Uh, it talks about whales a lot. It talks about 
Um, talks about other topics too, but uh, but yeah, I highly recommend that show. And you might want to get a, a jersey yourself if you watch it. Michael says that Judy uh, slash Santa got him a bunch of Rolling Realms expansion packs in his stocking. I can't wait to give them a, them a try. Yeah, we've kind of stumbled upon a great stocking stuffer there, haven't we? Molly says there are Dice Throne holiday characters as well. Yeah, Santa and Krampus, I believe, are the two they released. Justin says his wife got him a miniature painting set, so that's a fun way to enhance his collection. Totally. Yeah, I love little gaming enhancements for Christmas or, or the holidays. Any holiday. When I say Christmas, I mean any holiday. Ian says I need to get, he needs to win six out of the seven to take the games to, to win his Ticket to Ride Challenge with his wife. I need to get some big points as well. Thank, thankfully, we have a couple of his wife's least favorite ones remaining. Allie says, um, I was curious how often a game hits your radar that throws off your previously planned release schedule. So, Allie, yeah, that's an interesting question. So I plan pretty far ahead, or not plan ahead. I uh, typically have many videos lined up in advance. And so right now, for example, I have my Tuesday and Friday favorite game mechanism videos scheduled through February 7th. And Allie, I would say it's fairly often that I have a game that uh, that is a little bit newer. It's either newer or one that I really, really want to talk about, one that I really, really enjoy. And I tend to then bump a game from the next Tuesday or Friday to the end of that list and slot in that new game. And I would say it happens all the time. It happens quite frequently. Okay, I see. Okay, Carol's pointing out that for um, for like it's like blank and right, so flip and right, roll and right, or or another verb in there. Um, sorry for not understanding that. Totally. Flick and right is another one that Renee mentioned it. Okay, sorry, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Carol says, "Did I get any games for Christmas? I did. There was a Secret Santa gift exchange that I did with some friends uh, a week or so ago, and that was when I got Creature Comforts. That was the only game I I got. I don't." I'm not really, gifts aren't my, my love language, um, and so I prefer Christmases now really where I don't get any gifts, but uh, I understand that some people really love to give gifts, and so there were still some gifts given. Megan gave me some socks and some shirts, which I appreciate. Got some, lots of cat toys that the cats had a blast playing with, lots of catnip, and I had, got some chocolate, and I always, chocolate is kind of the one exception for me. I'm generally always happy to get chocolate because I, I really do enjoy chocolate. Um, but no, I didn't, other than Creature Comforts, I did not get any games that I can think of. No. All right, so everyone's catching up to my, my holiday story about, uh, about some freezing temperatures. Uh, Chad asked, did I go to the uh, Barnes & Noble sale that I talked about in detail earlier? No, I, I, I didn't, go to, uh, go to, didn't go to Barnes & Noble for their sale. Miles mentioned Viticulture. Oh, Viticulture is... Viticulture didn't release, Viticulture released in 2013, so it's not quite 10 years old, but it's coming up on that. And Mario points out Lords of Waterdeep. I do love Lords of Waterdeep. That is a year that a game that is 10 years old now. Chad says, did my toilet survive the cold? My toilet didn't flush for a couple days, but it is flushing now just fine. Um, Miles says, I expected you to wear your Wrexham coat. Um, here, I'll go get it real quick. Why not? One second. Here's my, my Wrexham coat. I'm going to be a little warm under this thing. I found that, uh, I don't know if this is a UK thing, but the zippers on the other side, 
usually I'm used to the zipper being on the other side, but yeah, this is my, my new Wrexham warm-up jersey, I guess. has a Wrexham AFC on the back. <laughs> I don't get excited about clothing. I just said earlier this live cast that I don't buy clothing very often, but I was I was really excited to get this uh, this warm-up jersey. It's a little snug because they didn't have a medium in stock, but I kind of like the small. It's a little small, but, but I like it a lot. Paul is popping just to say hi, my disc golfing game design and gaming buddy. Paul came over last week and taught Llama Land. So game night, we played Llama Land, and, um, and I taught Wicked to Wise, Wicked and Wise, uh, a new trick-taking game. But I really enjoyed Llama Land, too. Paul, thank you for teaching that. Some other games we played over the weekend. I mentioned Fun Facts, uh, Telestrations, Wingspan, Llama Land, Wicked to Wise. Those were the ones that we've, we've played recently. Oh, I do want to mention, I haven't mentioned anything Stonemaier yet. Next week... For those of you who have been waiting to pre-order the third printing of the nesting box, we are going to launch that uh, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday is our next e-newsletter, which I'm starting to build, build today. Um, and so this is a true pre-order, which we have not done in a long time. This is one where we have not started production of this nest, nesting box. And so in that way, you can guarantee that you get it. You already know what it's about. We, we've already revealed everything that it is. A lot of people have it. They've talked about the nesting box. So... Um, if you want to pre-order it, we will make it for you. And so we'll essentially make two demands here and we'll also make extra. So if you do want to wait, uh, you can wait until later. Uh, at that point, the price might change because of freight shipping. So that is a, a definitely a possibility that the price will change. Um, and it's also possible that we might run out at some point. So I definitely don't want you to act out of fear in any way, act based on what you want, your budget and all that. But, uh, but if you are interested in pre-ordering the nesting box, that'll start next Wednesday. And um, you can ensure that you get that notification by signing up for our e-newsletter, our monthly e-newsletter, and or signing up for a back-in-stock notification for the nesting box. We'll, I'll send newsletters to both around the same time. But I need to make a, a note to myself to compose the, uh, compose the nesting box uh, message. Yeah, there we go. The Excel Gamer says he wanted to share his favorite gift he got this year. My wife and I have a, a set list of movies we watched during the holiday season, and one of my favorites is The Polar Express. My wife got me a replica of the bell that the main character got from Santa at the end of the movie. Oh, I know that bell. Yeah, that's really wonderful. I, I like that a lot. Um, and I, I, I'll add on to that if you don't mind. I, I haven't watched many holiday movies this year, but we watched a new movie on Apple TV called Spirited last night, and I really, really liked it. Really liked it. Uh, it's one of those rare musicals that really surprises and delights me. Um, and it's not all musical, too. There's, I would say, I don't know, we were kind of betting on how much musical it would be. Uh, so it ended up being around 50-50, maybe 60-40. Um, but it has Will Ferrell. It has Ryan Reynolds. It's really, really good, in my opinion. I highly, highly recommend it. And we also, on a really snowy day last week when we were like, okay, most people probably aren't going to go to the theater today. Let's sneak out and go to the theater. We snuck out and saw the new Avatar movie. And I thought it was so beautiful. Uh, I, I would highly recommend seeing it in the theater if you get the chance. I don't know if the 3D part of it is really necessary. I don't know if that added all that much. But um, it, for the most part, it didn't, it didn't take away from the movie, at least. But uh, seeing that in the theater, I think, is, is a, is a must-watch, given how absolutely beautiful that movie is. That's the new Avatar movie. Patrick says that his daughter's boyfriend loves the Red Rising book series, so I bought him the Red Rising game and the rubber mat for Christmas. That's awesome, Patrick. Thank you. I had never played it, but had a blast playing it. Now I want to read the books. He also loved the game. I love that. I love that you shared the game with someone who's only read the books, and that now you're intrigued about the books as well, and the game might bring you to the books. That's, uh, that's why I 
That's why we published that game. Mark says he can't wait to get a, a, the new batch of Rolling Realms. Sad that I can't bundle it with a Tapestry Playmat. Yeah, that's Tapestry Playmat's in a big cardboard tube. It's prepackaged. It doesn't really bundle with anything. So um, that's got to be a, a standalone thing. But we do have probably new promos in February or March. Depends on some other things that we might be doing then. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's the, currently the plan. I'm, I'm kind of playing through that in my head as to what we're going to do with it. William is working on learning Euphoria with the expansion. I hope you have fun with that, William. Molly says, I love the fa the fashion show. I hope it looks like it fits great. Yeah, usually, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, it is a, it's a little warm right now, but I'm going to wear, I'm going to be wearing, be Rex and proud today. William says, what's the game on pre-order? There's no game on pre-order. It's just the nesting box. There's nothing inside of it except for all the wings, uh, the nesting box components, the trees and whatnot. Um, the punch board for the bird feeder, things like that. But it's, it's just... The Wingspan Nesting Box next Wednesday is when that will launch. Gary is joining us from rainy Ireland. Uh, Paul also says that he enjoyed Spirited. I'm glad to hear that, that Paul. Good afternoon to you. Um, Ian also enjoyed it. Miles enjoyed it. Everybody's enjoying Spirited. That's good. I'm glad you all are. It's been out since Thanksgiving. We're a little late to it. Um, and I'm looking forward to watching. We have two movies on the list. We're going to watch um, the new Knives Out. I really want to watch that. And we're going to watch Strange World, which just came out on Disney+. Plus. Paul recommends uh, the movie Claws on Netflix. And we did see that. We watched that when it came out, maybe a year or so ago, and loved it. I thought that was wonderful. And that's one, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of movies that I watch more than once, but that's one that, I, that I'd love to watch again because it, it was really, really good. I'll see if Megan's up for watching that sometime. Sarah says that uh, she thought the Avatar movie was quite long. I agree. It, it was one of those long movies that felt long, but I was so entranced by it. But I was like, I was like, I'll keep watching this. I'm happy to keep watching this. She says, I think the true stars of the movie are the ocean creatures. A great characters. That, yeah, absolutely agree with that, Sarah. Mark says he's happy for um, the next Rolling Rolling promos to, to be released in March, which is his birth month. We'll see about that. It might That might align with March quite well. Also might be February, but we'll, we'll see about that. Chet says, can you describe the life of a rulebook while you are designing a new game? When does it start? How do you, how, when do you revise it? How do you finish it? Anything you always need to remind yourself when writing it. I usually write the rulebook when it's time to blind play test the game. So usually when I'm, um, when I'm just sharing it with local, locally with the, you know, people here on my table, I usually don't write the rulebook then. Usually I have a template that I use when I'm ready to write it and I go through and I, I add all the information to the template and um, yeah, it kind of just evolves from there based on feedback I get from blind playtesting through reading it over and over again myself. And then eventually it goes to copy editors, goes to proofreaders. Chess is anything you always need to remind yourself when, while writing it. Um, hmm. I mean, I have plenty of room for improvement, I can say in general. I'm trying to think if there's any specific thing that I'm like, oh, I, I need to remember to say that. Uh, the thing that I, 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 would, I would say that I struggle with a little bit that I, that I always need to remind myself and that the Automa team helps me with are edge cases, like smoothing out any edge case that you possibly can um, without ideally creating a rule exception. Just include that information in there for like the, the one person in the world who's going to push a weird button in the game, find the weirdest edge case, to address that in the rule book for that person and find the right way to address it. So that isn't really how my gamer brain works. And so I have to remind myself to put that in the rule books. 
Yeah. Mark mentioned a movie called Matilda Musical on, on Netflix. I'm not, familiar, not familiar with that one. I'm familiar with Matilda, but not the, the, not the musical. Carl says that he enjoyed Knives Out, and yesterday a friend taught him Flamecraft because he thought I'd like it. He'd like it based on his love for Wingspan. I think they're they're pretty different games. They both have engine building feels to them, but um, but I can see how you might be drawn to one given your love for the other. Chad says interesting fact about Claws was that it looks like a 3D computer animation, but it was all done in traditional 2D ways. I, I remember hearing that when it came out, Chad, and that is it's remarkable what they pulled off with that style of anim with that style of animation. Trevor says he, he literally just watched Glass Onion and Strange World on Sunday and loved both of them. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to watch both of them. Tonight we have a virtual game night, so we won't be watching a movie tonight, but tomorrow we're going to watch the Knives Out sequel. George asked about today's chocolate. Today's chocolate it was a, a Christmas gift that I received. It's fudge, chocolate peanut butter, and chocolate walnut fudge, or chocolate pecan, or walnut, one of the two, um, from Laura Littles in Kansas City. So I'm going to have some of that maybe after lunch. What else is going on that I haven't talked about? Uh, I talked about the Meaningful Creations blog post that I that I posted recently, and I'd still love to hear from you all, whether it's on that post or here today. What did you create that was meaningful to you in 2022, and what are you hoping to create that is meaningful to you in 2023? And the other thing, the other little twist I'm going to add, I think tomorrow's blog post will be along a similar vein, but instead of being about creation, it'll be about, be about play. What did you play in 2022 that was meaningful to you? And what are you hoping to play in 2023 that will be meaningful to you? I haven't quite figured out how I'm gonna define that. Um, but uh, but I like the idea of pairing creation with play because I think both are really important for, uh, for, for people, uh, for human beings, for myself. And so I, 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 I gave a little structure to the, the create something meaningful to you and I'm not sure how I'll Talk about that structure for play because I think everyone has their different definitions. Like some people do 10 by 10 lists where they want to play 10 games 10 times. They want to go deeper into those games. Some people want to play a lot of different games or just a lot of play sessions in general. And so perhaps I'll just leave it open because everyone derives meaning, I think, in different ways. But perhaps I'll use the post as an opportunity to encourage people to find what is meaningful to them about play, particularly tabletop play, and to pursue it. And, and to pursue that in 2023, to give, to give themselves permission to do the thing that's really enjoyable for them. Um, instead of just like, for example, if you really derive meaning from going deep into a game, but you find yourself playing new games over and over, or playing only new games once or twice, that in 2023, give yourself a goal or permission to go deep into at least one game that you really want to go deep into. That sort of thing. That's what I'm trying to get at. George says, do you have any science fiction books planned for 2023 to read? Anything exciting? Um, and uh, sorry, I just got an alert that uh, my car's doors are unlocked. So I need, to, I need to find a way to lock them if I can do that on my phone. Let's see. Let's see if I can lock them. They are locked now. Uh, science fiction books planned for 2023. There, so I'm excited about all the Brandon Sanderson secret books to come out in 2023. I don't know if any of them are science fiction, but I'm just excited to start getting them. I think the first one is supposed to arrive on the Kindle on January 1st. Um, I'm sure there are, George. I, I have a hard time thinking ahead because usually when I'm excited about a book, I, I just order it on my Kindle and it magically shows up whenever the release happens. So I don't know offhand. Right now I'm still reading, or I'm reading a book called 
the uh, the Lightning Prince by I'm forgetting the author, but he's a fairly famous fantasy author, and I'm really enjoying it so far. It's about a magic system based on glass. Uh, what what are you all reading right now? Is there any book that you're reading that you're really enjoying or really looking forward to? And is, is anyone else also looking forward to the Brandon Sanderson surprise releases of 2023 through his Kickstarter? Chad asked how the boys are doing. Is Biddy getting used to his new smile? Oh yeah, Biddy I think doesn't really notice that he doesn't have teeth anymore, except when he tries to pick up something with his mouth, he notices it a little bit. But uh, yeah, they got some fun Christmas treats and catnip that they are really, really enjoying and they seem to be doing well. Even in the cold, you know, they're cats, they're furry. They seem to hold up pretty well in the cold when we had a few days where our furnace wasn't working, but they're doing, they're doing really well now. Thanks for asking about that. Did anyone get a pet for Christmas? Anyone go that route? Um, Chad says, I found that my reading has slowed down since his move. Do you find that your reading interest slows down for any reason? Not really, no. I mean, reading is, is a daily habit for me right before I go to bed, usually 30 to 40 minutes of reading. It's how I turn off my brain and go to sleep, and I usually look forward to it. The only exceptions are every now and then there's a book that doesn't hasn't really hooked me, I, and I, I, I am intrigued enough to keep reading it, but I don't get really excited about it, where there are other books where I'm like, I really, really want to know what happens next, and I'm like eager to get to bed to get to that book. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I read every day unless, unless we go to bed really late. Um, which happened a few times over, over the last weekend. But I, I, when we do that, I kind of miss that I didn't get to read that day. So it's pretty consistent for me. Carol says she likes to do a combo challenges. She does a 10 by 10, play 10 games at least 10 times, a certain number of new, new to me plays, new to, new to that year games, and wants to get off her list of opportunity, her shelf opportunity. I like that, Carol. I'm gonna copy and paste that because I like that you shared so many different versions of that right now. Let's see, where can I put that? That is on, thank you, Carol, for mentioning that. Different modes of play. Tyler says, I just got random rolling realms for the holidays and was surprised to re receive a first printing. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, if they bought it from a retailer, it could be a first printing. If they bought it from us too, it could just be that the first printing got mixed up with the second printing and future printings. Um, yeah, they, uh, I can't remember how many printings we had so far for it. I, I know, I think we've had two printings of Rolling Realms. The first printing looks like it was around 22,000 copies. Second printing was maybe 5,000 copies. So uh, they're all out there in the wild right now. Kevin says the 10 by 10 for him brings more stress than just playing. So I adjusted that to more 10 plays of a theme instead of specific games. I like that too, following a certain theme. 10 more, more uh, 10 plays of a theme. I'll make a note about that. Also make a note about campaign games as some people might really want to play campaign gaming. I mean, they didn't play one in, uh, in, in, in the last year. If anyone else has ideas for this list, feel free to let me know. This is a blog post that I'm planning for tomorrow called uh, Play Something Meaningful to You in 2023. Mario says, I think my most meaningful memory I have of 2022 was showing a group of Cub Scouts how to play dra uh, Dragomino. They have never seen any modern board game, and Mario introduced them, which is awesome, Mario. Parents were asking where they can buy that, ki that kind of game. I love that, Mario. I love bringing new people into the hobby. It's wonderful that you did that. Tyler says, how many printings of Roller Realms have you done? I, th I think it's two printings so far, Tyler. Um, so a total of 
a little under 30,000 copies of the, of the game in English, at least. Mark says, I would say that the meaningful plays I did for 2022 mostly came from contents of Rolling Realms, official and fan content alike, being able to be part of the playtesters twice and one of the fan creators of the large library of fan realms that Carol diligently compiles. Mark, I love your participation in that community. It's so cool to see the different fan realms that you've created. And it's always fun to see you uh, played along with me live or in the future on YouTube. That's brought me a lot of joy from the last year, playing Rolling Realms. In fact, I'll, I'll mention that on the list because I think that's a special category of games of like um, ro playing Rolling Realms and games like that maybe with the designer or like if, over YouTube as we've been playing and or live. I don't know quite how to categorize that, but that has brought me a lot of joy. Uh, Trevor says he's on his third listen of Mistborn. He's very curious what folks think of his surprise books, but I'm definitely a late adopter. Yeah, I'm excited, I'm excited too, or, or curious too. George is reading some history books recently about EIC. Kevin's reading Witches Abroad, a Discworld novel, and now he's reading Fairy Tale by Stephen King. That's a book that I read in the last year. Marlene says that she and her husband would like, uh, like to read to each other before bed, and we just started reading Whose Body by Dorothy Sayers. It's a British murder mystery written and set in the 1920s. Her dog is named after the butler. That's neat. Adam says, I'm currently, currently listening to the book Hatchet Island because it's due back in two days on his app. It's paused right now because I'm watching this. Get back to reading, Adam, before you have to return that book to the library. John says, I have so many games that I almost never get to play. I don't really have a regular gaming group, but I got a few friends interested in starting a game night in the new year. So I'm hoping that works out and I get more plays of my games. And Johnny, I'm glad you mentioned that. Like, um, not necessarily the games themselves, but who you play with. Like, starting a gaming, starting a, a group, uh, conventions. Um, so finding the, the, the people, the people side of games, not specifically the games themselves. I'm glad you mentioned that. Nathan said his sister's in college and she's been thinking about getting a cat so I, since I got one in college and it was great. So I got her a cat bed for Christmas to nudge her in that direction. That's very kind of you. That's a great version of a, of a pet gift rather than getting the pet, get them something that the pet might want or might need. Uh, Carol says that she is, is excited about Sanderson and she got the Master of Go from a Secret Santa. I haven't heard of the Master of Go. Is that about the game Go, maybe? Mario says, have I considered talking to Brandon Sanderson about, about making a game in the Mistborn or Stormlight Archive universe? I actually years ago reached out to Brandon Sanderson to try to get the rights to, to the, uh, the Steelheart series, and we didn't get it. Another publisher got it, and I think they did some really cool things with that, that game. Um, as much as I love Brandon Sanderson's work, I don't think that those are games that, that, would, uh, that are something that I'd want to pursue. I'd have to dive so deep into those books and into those worlds. As much as I love them, I don't want to reread them, I guess is a way of saying it. Um, and I think I, I, I would have to do that if I wanted to be involved as a designer or a publisher for those games. So I look forward to seeing what other, other publishers do with those games, but it isn't something that we're pursuing. Ian says last year was his first year setting gaming challenges. He did a tier challenge, like a 10 times, a five times, and two player and solo challenges for play, so different player counts. I like that. I'm loving this feedback. Thank you all so much. Different uh, player counts. Yeah. Carol says a 25 by, by 5 is a good way to compromise since 10 can be a lot. 
Chad says, the new game that everyone's going bonkers about is Frosthaven. I know it's not really your style, but you have a buddy or someone that you can play with to try it out. Currently, I don't know anyone who knows Frosthaven or who owns Frosthaven. So, um, you know, I played Gloomhaven. I, I, I would like to play Frosthaven once to get a feel for the, uh, the town building and the, the potion aspect of it. But um, you're right. It, I, it, as much as I admire Jaws of the Line in particular... Um, and I'm, I'm certainly curious about the variety of missions in Frosthaven. I, 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 I've heard that there are more missions that aren't just kill all the bad guys. And the, those alternative style missions are the ones that are interesting to me. Um, so I don't know anyone, but, but I'd, I'd be happy to try it once if someone nearby owns it. Nathan says, our gaming group goal was one new game, one previously played game, then fill in the time with whatever, uh, every time they get together. That's cool. I like that. And says next year he's going to pick his 12 favorite solo games and play them 12 times. Uh oh, we got some angry cats out here. I should go in a second. Um, Adam says that him, his wife and him taught his parents arch ravels on Monday. Then on Tuesday morning, my dad had a second bout of amnesia in a month and forgot everything from Monday. We'll have to teach that again. I'm sorry to hear that, Adam. I hope your dad's okay. Uh, Carl says this year my goals are based on playing games with the numbers of players rather than the games themselves. I like that. Carol says that Rolling Realms was their most game, most played game of the year between solo and virtual plays. She says she's never played it in the, in other, with others in the same room. Let's see if there's any more questions here. All right, I think we've got through all the questions today. Not that we have to get them through them all. You can ask them later. I'm happy to answer them later in the comments, especially if you post them on YouTube. We have, a, we have some feisty cats over here that I should probably go deal with, but I hope you all are doing well. Thank you for joining me on this, this holiday week edition, and I look forward to, to seeing you next week when we have some fun stuff planned for our January 4th e-newsletter. So I'll see you then next Wednesday. Take care, have a great week, and Happy New Year to you. See ya. Bye. And Nathan, bedridden with COVID, I hope you feel better, Nathan. Feel better soon. Take care. Bye.